Looking for a flexible and rewarding job that will fit with your class schedule? Consider ACR Homes. ACR Homes is now hiring direct care professionals to care for people who have disabilities in group homes throughout the Twin Cities. Students of any major and background are welcome to apply, but it's great patient care experience for those pursuing a future career in healthcare. Contact University Office at acrhomes.com or www.acrhomes.com for information on our jobs and research-based internships. Hey y'all, and welcome back to In the Know, the podcast where we dive into what is happening on the University of Minnesota Twin Cities campus. Since we last left you in June, a lot has happened in Minneapolis and around the country. Students are back on campus for fall semester, and the coronavirus pandemic continues to ravage the United States. The sky is hazy from the smoke of the West Coast wildfires, And George Floyd Square on East 38th in Chicago is still held by local organizers as calls for racial justice continue across the Twin Cities and the nation. This is going to be a semester unlike any other, and we will be here to help document and give context to everything that happens. To kick off the 2020-2021 school year, our reporters spoke with Dr. Cedric L. Alexander, an appointee by President Gable, who will reassess what public safety should look like on the U's campus. Here's Megan Germanson and Ava Kian with the latest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another school year. I'm Megan Germanson, a senior at the university and returning reporter. I'm Ava Kian, a new reporter at The Daily. This season, I'm excited to discover meaningful stories on campus and amplify voices that are often marginalized by the media. You're listening to In the Know, a podcast by the Minnesota Daily. In response to the unrest following George Floyd's killing, the University of Minnesota announced some changes to campus status quo, like limiting their relationship with the Minneapolis Police Department after facing pressure from student groups. And in late August, students, staff, and faculty learned of the university's plan to assess public safety on campus. In an email, President Gable announced the appointment of Dr. Cedric L. Alexander to conduct a review of the university in the UMPD. Dr. Alexander is a former police chief, trained clinical psychologist, and has taken on the role of a consultant on policing. Some of the areas he is expected to review include policing practices, university policies, social justice issues, and issues surrounding security and safety on campus. We reached out to several student groups to get their perspective at the outset of this process, and the Students for a Democratic Society provided us with a statement. Other groups declined to offer a comment. In their statement, the SDS said they find President Gable's review initiative deficient and instead called for a community-elected Campus Community Police Accountability Council composed of students, faculty, staff, and community members. This council, they say, would conduct independent officer reviews and have significant influence on the department. The SDS also requested a meeting with Dr. Alexander to discuss their demands. So in today's episode, we talked to Dr. Alexander via Zoom to learn more about who he is and what we can expect from his review. What's up? What's up? Hi. Thank you so much for doing this and making the time. Yeah. yeah. So you're like the editor-in-chief? No, not even close, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, 
Y'all go. Ask whatever you want to ask. Let's rock and roll. Dr. Alexander's career began as a police officer in 1977. So I started in Tallahassee, went to Orlando, subsequently ended up in Miami in the early 80s, and stayed there till the very early 90s, decided to get out of police, policing after about 15 years or so. After leaving the police force, he went back to school full-time, earning a doctorate in clinical psychology at Wright State University. And at the University of Rochester Medical Center, Dr. Alexander completed a postdoc and ended up as faculty in the psychiatry department and working as a staff psychologist. Seeing families primarily, I did a lot of family work. And I did a lot of work with police officers and firefighters as well. In that role, he dealt with clinical interventions for officers who had experienced traumatic incidents. So they, if they were such as a shooting or saw something really gruesome or whatever, uh, they were, uh, it was mandatory that they had to see a psychologist and primarily me because of my background as a police officer and not being a trained psychologist. So I did that for five years. Mary and I along the way became friends in about 2002. Uh, Rochester Police Department. Rochester, does that sound familiar right now? Here, the emphasis on Rochester refers to the police killing of Daniel Prude, a black man who died of suffocation after Rochester police officers handcuffed him, put a hood over his head, and knelt on his back in March of this year. Back in 2002, Rochester Police Department brought on Dr. Alexander as a deputy chief due to his career expertise, academic background, and relationships he'd established in the city. Hey, Bill. Hey, can I hit you back in 10? I'm doing a, a Zoom. But anyway, I... Uh, in fact, that was the mayor <laughs> that hired me back in 2002 to come in as a deputy chief and uh, because of my background. And they were having some of the same problems as you're having that we're seeing today. But it just was not as pronounced. You know, we didn't have social media and video cameras all over the place and all that kind of stuff. So long story short, what I said to the mayor is that I need to look around the country and see if there's some mental health training that police officers can receive in order to reduce the likelihood of some of those negative interactions that usually either turn deadly or someone end up seriously hurt. Dr. Alexander eventually became the chief of police in Rochester before leaving to take on other roles, including heading up the TSA at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport and serving as police chief in DeKalb County, Georgia, a large suburb of Atlanta. In 2015, he was also a member of President Obama's task force on 21st century policing, which culminated with a lengthy report that included recommendations for policing practices that build public trust and encourage police use of technology, like body cameras. And now... I've been doing training around here, Northwest Florida, with a couple of police departments, several uh, implicit, explicit bias training. And of course, I consult with a lot of chiefs several mayors across the country, you know, around a variety of things, whatever they call me. Throughout his consulting, he emphasized the most important piece is connecting with people and engaging the community. But one thing I pride myself on is being fair. Yes, having been a police officer, been in the profession, but I pride myself on that being fair because number one, uh, it's expected but even equally as important, if not more important, being a person of color myself, being a black man in America, 
So I feel people pain. I feel, I know what they're talking about. Um, and I know the discrepancies in, uh, in the systemic racism that still goes on in America. We cannot deny it. We gotta confront it. And until we confront it, we can't change anything. George Ford put us in a very, very different place. And uh, so my work primarily is to help build relationships and being able to do it from a number of a variety of positions. Having been a, a faculty member at a major institution, having been a police executive and administrator for the last number of years, uh, having been trained as a psychologist, and being a black man in America. There's a combination of it all, right? Plus probably a bunch of other things I can name. So that's kind of where I am. In his new role at the university, he says he plans to meet with a variety of groups and organizations on campus. So primarily uh, what she has, what they have asked me to do is to come in and meet with students, meet with faculty, meet with you guys, uh, and meet with the police department and really get an assessment of those relationships. I'm going to tell you what's important to me. I want to hear from the student groups. And I know you got a ton of them. And I'm probably going to get to many of them. Because I want to hear from them in terms of what have been their experience and observations around policing or public safety. Uh, what are these variety of different organizations? How do they see and feel and experience these things? Because as you well know, people have a lot of anger. But up under that anger is a lot of hurt, right? So we want to get to some of that. And I want to collect that information. I want to talk to the chief. I want to talk to his personnel. I want to see how they engage with students around campus. I'm going to spend time with them. But I'm going to spend a lot of time in that university community via Zoom or periodically when I'm able to get on the ground, which I'm hoping to be able to get on the ground there in the next two to three weeks, just so I can kind of meet everybody in person, social distancing, mass, all that stuff, right? As far as exactly how he's planning to meet with those different groups, he said for now, the meetings will have to take place via Zoom. I don't want to be seen as just some guy consultant coming in from the outside telling us how we should do and blah, blah, blah. For me to be really effective and to really get to know people, I need to meet you first even before we get into all that. But being humanistic with people and giving the people an opportunity to know me and giving myself an opportunity to know them. I'm wondering what, you know, because there's some justice reform advocates who are sort of skeptical of someone who's coming in from the police side of things, the police, uh, former police officer perspective. Um, I'm just wondering what you would have to say to people who are feeling uncomfortable with that. I understand, but I'm not just police. I'm police. I'm a psychologist. I'm a person who believe in human rights and civil rights. Uh, and I am also uh, a person in color, of color, who lives the things that people protesting about. I have to live that too, every day, because I live in this skin. So I am more than just this one kind of dimensional. I am multidimensional. 
And all of those things play a significant role in terms to how I assess, how I view the world, how I experience it, and how I'm able to help move the university and its public safety and its relationships forward. Dr. Alexander said that his recommendations and review could lay the basis for new policies and other long-term changes at the university. We may have an opportunity to rewrite policies around terms how we interact with students. We may be able to um, have opportunities to make changes that are going to be learned long-term. And that's oftentimes done through policy review, policy changes as we may have done it this way, but going forward, we're going to do it this way. It's like chokeholds. You change the policy around that. And because if the policy is not adhered to, then there's consequences to that. And then it becomes part of the culture. But whatever we do, we want to make sure we build it into the culture of, so that it doesn't, when I leave or when the president leaves, it goes away but it's something that is written inside that policy uh, that will be, that will make a cultural change, uh, which is going to be hugely important going forward. As far as working with UMPD, he says he doesn't see any challenges arising as they work together. No, I don't. I've uh, communicated with the chief and he's aware of, of uh, all of this and, and, uh, He's committed to be open and very much in, very much part of the process, you mm-hmm. know, as we move forward, learning how to do things better. And, uh, and I don't think you can ask any more than that. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it ain't what we say, it's what we do, right? And while Dr. Alexander doesn't anticipate any challenges as he prepares to assess the UMPD, this review contrasts with student protests over the summer that called for more direct action with UMPD's resources and presence on campus. And this is where we are, and this is where we start from. So there's a lot of work that has to be done, and it's going to take time. And, but I appreciate to be honest with you, the courageousness of those young people, your friends, your colleagues, your classmates, who stood up for justice and saying that this is wrong, it is not acceptable. Because there's nothing wrong with change, there's nothing wrong with reform, we're moving into the 21st century, nothing stays the same forever. And there's always better ways to do things, but we all have to be part of that process where it benefits not just one person or one group of people, but it has benefit for everybody that's involved, regardless of who you are, right? So I applaud the students on that campus for taking a position for standing up for justice. The entire review process, he says, could take anywhere from three to four months. He also said that the university has provided him with sufficient resources, but we are unsure exactly how much has been allocated for his assessment. We look forward to being able to discuss his findings when the review is done. However, it remains unclear as to whether or not the report will be publicly available when complete. We want to hear from you. If you have any concerns or questions as this review process begins, send us your thoughts. Send us an email at inthenow at mndaily.com with your comments.
Your comments can help us build on this story so that we can continue to learn more about this review and keep you up to date. In other University of Minnesota news, first-year students are starting to move into residence halls this week as campus shifts into step one of the Maroon and Gold Sunrise Plan. Gopher Athletics announced last week that they would be cutting the men's tennis, men's gymnastics, and men's track and field teams for financial and Title IX sustainability reasons. And the newly elected Jamal Osman is settling into his Ward 6 City Council seat, a seat that's been vacant since March when Abdi Warsami left to head the Minneapolis Public Housing Authority. We'll see you next week.